to the Big Play Cleveland Show. We are celebrating the Browns back-to-back rivals, divisional rivals. W's, everybody. How exciting. Yeah, yeah. Big big rivalry week. I think that's going to be the theme of the show, you know, just celebrating those two huge AFC North wins. Gav got the best of the Steelers, got the best of the Ravens of the week before. Now they look to avenge the old school Browns and beat down Denver. We got the Ohio State Buckeyes going up to that team up north. So this is going to be an absolute action-packed show. Our Cavs are rolling. We're going to we're going to talk a lot all about it. And let's talk about the energy in Cleveland from yesterday. I'll tell you what. The Browns, fantastic. You know, you're playing the division rival there in the Steelers at home. Really had the playoff atmosphere. I was there in the seats, you know, JW and the Browns. Browns ownership asked everybody to be there early. And I was there before the anthem. The place was absolutely packed. And that's very rare. You hardly ever see that. And we're talking all the way, the upper deck. Everybody was there. Fantastic. They had a flyover. And then they had Jimmy Donovan. Oh, yeah. Smashing Smashing the guitar. guitar. I mean, how fantastic was that? I mean, the energy. And then they show Nick Chubb up there on the scoreboard. The energy was absolute peak at that moment. The Browns responded in the first half. You know, looked really good. Right after second half, you know, kind of stubbed our foot a little bit, uh, but then ended up getting getting it done. Then after that, I walk across town. Our Cavs get it done against the NBA champions from last year. So really good day in Cleveland, really good vibes, really big week with all the rivals this week. So it's going to be fun, and it's fun to be a sports fan right now in Northeast Ohio. Yeah, absolutely. Cavs got that win done too. No Donovan Mitchell in that win against the Nuggets. And then how about this one, guys? As high as that energy was, Kevin Stefanski said that he wanted a horn to go off in the Muni lot around 1230 so fans could start walking (laughs) over for the 1 o'clock game Kevin I love it we do gotta we do gotta educate him on one thing and I have this is my only complaint with Kevin Stefanski on this entire show because he pitched a gem you got to set that horn off from the Muni lot way before 1230 that's a little bit of a walk especially when drinks are involved and that whole thing to get from the Muni lot to the stadium you probably got to set that horn off Chris what around noon yeah, I would say so, and that's game. kind of our tradition is we start the walk over there about noon, and usually it's pretty light. You're not talking about a whole lot of traffic going yeah. in yeah. there in terms of walking traffic. I'll tell you what, yesterday, packed going in there at noon. All of the different uh, gates were all packed with people, and it was great to see. You could feel the energy from the Browns fans going in there, and everybody was there ready to get to their seats to see, you know, what was promised, which was a fantastic flyover. It was fantastic energy and everything just to kind of set up that game, and it it was fun. The fans played their part literally from Jump Street. Like, think about all the penalties, the timeouts that the Steelers had to use. I think the Browns were only penalized once in that entire game. game. The whole game once. The Steelers were complete opposite. You know, they were burning timeouts because Pickett couldn't hear the play calls. You know, they were showing him on the TV trying to mash his headset into his ears. The fans definitely definitely showed up and showed out and we're going to need that energy now for the rest of the way because with DTR or Joe Flacco or whatever it might be starting these games they're all going to be close they're all going to be nail biters the defense is going to have to play that well in each and every one of these games and for that to happen the fans got to be really really loud in that stadium who would you like to see moving forward DTR or Flacco 
Uh, I, I would definitely want DTR at this point. I think yesterday he showed us just enough. And it's kind of funny, on that final drive, he hadn't done anything in the second half. I yeah. mean, we really were not moving the ball. The fans, and we talked a lot about this, the fans got behind him and started chanting DTR, DTR, before that last drive. And, ladies and gentlemen, that's faith. When you have seen nothing out of a man the entire second half and you are chanting his name on that last drive, that is faith from Cleveland Browns fans, and he paid off in a big way. Moves the ball, what, 40 yards or so yeah. to get us into field goal range? Wins the ball game there. So, you know, I think you got to stick with him. You look at Flacco if things are going off the rails. But right now, DTR, we've got the energy going. Let's keep that going. We're going to be going on to Denver. It's going to be a tough place to play. It's going to be tough for him. It's going to be a new test for us. But I think you go in with him. I'm in lockstep with that, Chris. And my reasoning why is uh, you you got to just keep, you know, ride the hot hand. I'm riding DTR till the wheels fall off. <laughs> Bringing in Joe Flacco was smart because you lose that vet leadership now with Deshaun Watson he's going into surgery he's going into rehab he's not going to be there on the sideline and I thought it was interesting I think it was actually Tony Grossi who said that there were tears in his in DTR's eyes after yeah. he threw that one interception and he was going to the sideline and Deshaun looked at him and said hey bro this is this is fun you know this is sports like you got to smile you got to enjoy this moment like yes it was a mistake but you got to bounce back from this I think Joe Flacco could be that guy for DTR to just remind him hey be yourself play loose have have fun in the absence of Deshaun Watson. So I, I, I think we got to ride with DTR, but if things start getting shaky, we'll, yeah. we'll have that. Joe some... Flacco, elite? I don't know. Not <laughs> at this point, right? <laughs> Far from elite. Yeah. But maybe he can stabilize things from a veteran presence, yeah. like you were saying, in that meeting room and on the sidelines for him. Hopefully he won't have to get in the games, but he will be there if we need him. That's, That's valuable, right. valuable mentorship. Uh, is this is this the wrap-up? Okay, yeah. okay. Guys, we got to come back. We're going to do our featured interview with our Lipton Hard Tea once we get our interview on. And we'll be back right after this. Welcome back to the Big Play Cleveland show. We have got our guest here, our featured interview brought to you by Lipton Hard Tea. And we're joined by director and filmmaker Alan Farst. Oh, yeah, you got to get the hat on. Yeah, Should you got to put, this put the on? Lipton Hard Tea big hat on to talk to Alan. <laughs> Alan, what is going on? Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, how you guys doing? <clears throat> My hat's not as big as that, but I'm willing. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. We're glad to have you. Hey, so we're joined now by Alan Farst, uh, director, filmmaker for the new film that's out in Triangle Park. And Alan, could you just tell a little bit about the ideation behind making this Triangle Park film? Maybe give the people a little synopsis of what it's about and how this all really came to be. You know, uh, for me, it was about three years ago when we started to come into the 100th year of football, right? And I was from Dayton, Ohio, and I was coming off a, a film called The Tree Man with Chuck Lavelle, who was the Rolling Stone keyboardist. And I wanted to do something for my hometown. And I, I just, this was, had been on the radar, you know, but uh, I just thought, man, you know, this is a crazy story. Like, when you think about telling stories, you're kind of like, yeah, what is the very first game? Who played in it? You know, who scored the first touchdowns? There was a lot of unknowns there, right? And so 
uh, I just thought this is a great place to spend three years of my life, which, you know, and I thought it'd be two, but it ends up being three. Right. So, <laughs> uh, but if you love football and I kind of did it for the love of the game, I, I grew up playing uh, sports as a quarterback and uh, played fourth through 12th. <clears throat> and then uh, fast forward several years later, uh, when you meet the Ben Roethlisberger's and the uh, Troy Aikman's and you see how massive these guys are, you realize why you didn't play in the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Alan, being from Dayton, how much did you know about the Dayton triangles prior to your work on this film? Or was this really you just kind of going into this thing blind and having to figure all of this out to make this movie? It, it was definitely, I would say that you've heard the term, the cart before the horse. I think we had two carts before the horse, you know, and uh, you're, 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 you're meeting descendants. You're lifting up rocks. You're saying who has what, um, do you have anything um, in the movie? You're going to see uh, this necklace that all the players got that played on the Dayton triangles, which is really this rare animal. It's a unicorn. There's only two in existence and we found both of them. You'll see one in the movie. Uh, that's worth the price of admission alone. I mean, it's it's a really cool necklace, uh, and you're going to get comments from you know Joe Theismann and Troy Aikman and and uh, you know other guys. We're going to celebrate generationally in the movie, like Eric Dickerson. Uh, we've got Joe Buck, uh, just a just a who's who of guys that uh, have a lot of passion for the game that really rallied around myself and Michelle Tafoya, our narrator so that we could really tell the story, you know, in a, in a really creative, great light, you know. So, Alan, at the center of this entire documentary is the game, right? The 1920 matchup between the Dayton Triangles, the Columbus Panhandlers, Panhandles, excuse me. Yeah. For fans that would go back and maybe fans of the NFL today, would they recognize the game that they were playing there, that first game? How much did it look like today's game? You know, I, I think when you get inside the white lines, I think a lot of the game is similar, um, but it's just gotten bigger, faster, stronger, you know, and the hits are, you know, semis versus, uh, you know, bicycle hits. You know, I'm sure they were tough back in the day. You know, they didn't have the padding, the protection, things like that. But, you know, these guys that we have today, they're just they're the elite of the elite around the world that come in to play this, you know, and and um, I think it's. You know, as we've seen, you know, other sports pull up soccer and other things for select, you know, you realize that the NFL is really just the choice of of the athletes and the professionalism that we have in the United States and worldwide, really. Um, so I, I would think, though, back then you had 5000 people standing around a field. Uh, they paid a dollar seventy five to get in. Um, it wasn't like the very first game, right? But it was the first NFL game between two mm -hmm. NFL teams. And that's where the confusion sometimes gets in on these uh, blog sites and social medias where they're like, well, that's not really the first pro game. And you're like, well, it is for the NFL. And that's what it was. So we had a lot of guys on the Dayton Triangles <laughs> that were still in their prime. Um, the Columbus Panhandles were kind of what the Nesser brothers uh, that everybody knows, the first family in football. But, you know, they were kind of getting older at that time. And so, um, you know, and we just had we, we had some really good athletes that could pass. I mean, we had really two great quarterbacks. Our our starting quarterback was Al Mart. He was six one. He was fairly big for, for those kind of guys. Um, and and we had another guy that was uh, Routabush that would have played at Denison. And Denison, you know, was a real hotbed for football in Ohio. And what happened with them 
um, is they started passing the ball in the early, early you know, like kind of like 1910, 1912 in that time frame. That was even before Newt Rockney. And these guys went from scoring 18 to 20 points a game to scoring 70 points a game. So the pass just, it really impacted the game a lot. Denison University in Granville, Ohio. Look so I know it very well. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So talk more about, you know, the influence of Ohio and specifically the Dayton area on football as, it, as it's come to be. Well, Ohio was a hotbed, right? So a lot of people don't realize that we had all we had the most football teams, right? So, you know, Akron pros were the ones that won in 1920. They're the ones that won the league. Um, you know, we had, you know, Canton Bulldogs, Panhandles, Triangles. But all of that was happening here. And then you even think about down the road as we start going. And I wanted to show you guys this. I've got a magical ball that'll float up here. But this that. is a, a gold football that we did with the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Wilson. That's and, you cool. know, Wilson's made every single NFL ball um, has come out of Ada, Ohio, right? And, you know, just all of that that we have here. And Paul Brown, you know, creating two teams and was a part of uh, bringing back players and and and, and um, that were of color that could come back and play the game. He was a big uh, help in that, along with the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, when they went to build a stadium, you know, they were told at that time, hey, if you want to use public funds, uh, you're going to have to have uh, all kinds of walks of life be able to play on, on your football team. It can't just be segregated uh, and, and it can't be like that. So um, so so I just feel like the league to me is something that is a reflection of society. And as as it's evolved, we've evolved. And, and, and it's kind of interesting that there is no other sport that shines that big of a light on on societal change than the NFL. Super cool. Very historical. We want to keep you here. We've got to take one short break. We'll be back with Alan Farce. Thank you so much. Welcome back to the Big Play Cleveland show. We are joined by a filmmaker. We've got Alan Farst with us telling us about his latest project here. Um, where did we pick up, Nick? Yeah, we were just talking about some of the influences of the Dayton, Ohio area. Really, Ohio just being such a hotbed for the birthplace and the renaissance for professional football as we know it today. Alan, you mentioned some of the who's who of this movie and you know some of the big people that you'll hear from. To you, though, who was the most interesting person that you had the opportunity to work with on this project? Well, um, yeah, I got to be careful how I answer that now. Um, <laughs> He's but, setting uh, you up a little bit here, Alan. Yeah, Watch out. Yeah, I'm going to have uh, Joe Buck or Aikman calling uh, <laughs> call me in a minute now. So, But uh, I, I will say, honestly, as a 14-year-old kid, uh, selfishly, uh, I was a quarterback, but my favorite player was Eric Dickerson. Okay, so sure. Eric Dickerson is in this. Uh, we're celebrating his, you know, because there's a lot of generational moments in this film, right? And and one is uh, the, you know, women's uh, 19th Amendment. They they got the vote in 1920, right around when the league was formed. But Dickerson in 1984, when he put up the 2105 rushing yards for a single season, I was following that guy for the last two or three years, and I just loved him. I thought he was he was just magical. And 39 years later, here I am asking him you know, to be in this film because I wanted to celebrate that. No one really, you know, celebrates it. And you think about all those like thousands of running backs that have come through the league and not 
one has been able to break his record. Yeah. And I just think that's that's just a testament of how how tough that record really is to get. And so, you know, the, tomorrow, which is the night before Thanksgiving at 7 p.m. in all 32 NFL cities, I'm so proud to tell you that AMC Theater stepped up and has us doing a premiere at 7 in all of those theaters. So if oh, any great. of your listeners want to go to uh, TriangleParkMovie.com or they just want to go straight to AMC Theaters and, and look up Triangle Park, they will pick their theater that's closest to them in those cities. And, um, you know, it's one night, so we want to get everybody out there uh, that's not, you know, uh, staying at home. We want to get them out and go to a theater and, and learn about football. But I guarantee there's there's a lot in this film. If you're a football fan, we're going to blow your mind on a few things that we're going to show you. How exciting. From a filmmaking standpoint and your experience, what what is the hardest – some of the harder hurdles to get over and putting all of it together and making it come to fruition. Well, the hardest part is always the money, you know, <laughs> and uh, I can make anything, you know, it, it, it just, you know, you just have to have the money to drive it to, to the moon, you know? And so uh, in time, you know, you need that as well, but <clears throat> having the proper funds to really do what you want to do is always key um, and then you have to know some people and you've had to put out some good work if you want to get, you know, guys like Tony Dungy and Sean McVay and Cooper Cup and and Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, you have to have done some good work. Otherwise, you know, they're going to obviously pass on probably working with you. So um, I've just been fortunate through the years that I've been able to work on some really good commercials and and other films that have allowed me to get this far. And I imagine there's a lot of parallels between you trying to put a movie together as there is to a league starting like the NFL and having their first game. Uh, I, I do I do have to ask when you think about, you know, the Dayton Triangles, why were they called the Dayton Triangles? Well, the Dayton Triangles, if you looked at a map, it kind of probably looked like a, a triangle this way, an upside down one, because it would be coming from the north down. Yeah. And there was two rivers that went around that little body of, uh, of of land and so um, there was some thought that the triangles became uh, basically on a map deeds and Kettering who started the starter and all that they, there was some thought that, that that their factories formed a triangle on a map but the real thing was that it was a body of water huh. and, and and so they called it triangle park and it was approved uh, that way um, with uh, some city people. And that's how they came up with the name. And then the Columbus Panhandles from the Columbus team, uh, the Panhandles worked on the Pennsylvania Railroad and yeah. they were the Panhandle Division. And Makes so um, you'll actually see the real whistle that was from the very first game in the movie. And it's a crazy story because it's a Panhandle whistle but it was because the actual referee forgot his whistle that day. And so he had to borrow a whistle. And what's the chances you got three guys that worked on the Pennsylvania Railroad have a whistle? Right there. Oh, that's so, so funny. That's so yeah, that's cool. how That's how you get some of those names. Cool. Thank you for all the work that you've put into that and for sharing with us. And good luck on your future projects, too. We're super excited. And, and be sure to check it out, TrianglePark.com. That's TriangleParkMovie.com. <laughs> Yeah, it just, you know, Google us up if you can't find it. And, you know, we're out there. You know what I mean? It's easy on the Google machine. So <laughs> awesome. awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Alan, for joining us. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a great uh, turkey coming up. Great Thanksgiving. You as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, right. Alan.
All right, righty, guys. That's filmmaker, director Alan Farst from Triangle Park. And pretty cool, you know, whenever we could bring in uh, some local Ohio people that have made it big on that side. You know, we do so many sports guests, but we have also do movie guests. And when yes. you can find a cool intersect like that, yeah. um, somebody from Ohio that's made it big and now giving love to his hometown a day, and that is pretty cool. That and is. a nice reminder that football grew up right here in Ohio, and that really is where everything started was right here. So very cool. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we will take another break. When we come back, we will get you guys some fill in the blank and we'll jump into our Browns headlines, our calves, and your regularly scheduled big play Cleveland show. So don't go anywhere. Welcome back to the Big Play Cleveland show. We've got Nick Padone, Chris McNeil, I'm Gabriella Cruz, and it's time for a little fill-in-the-blank, shall we? Or do you guys want to break down uh, first? What your call? Yeah, let's do some fill-in-the-blank. Yeah, okay. let's do yeah. it. We'll, we'll lead with our, our uh, map of fill-in-the-blank. <laughs> How about this? On a scale of 1 to 10, my confidence level in this Browns team that is 7-3, with no Deshaun Watson this last week, is... Well, I think that's a key portion of this is right now the quarterback position being the most important position on the football field and one that we have a lot of question marks. We love what DTR did on Sunday there at the end of the game, but you still have a lot of question marks there. So I would rate my confidence level in this Browns team at about a seven, which is pretty high, I would say, when you have so many question marks right now at the quarterback position. But it's because of the defense and what they've given us out there. Uh, it's because of the potential I think that there still exists in that running game. Um, and then my confidence level also in the schedule going forward would probably be at about a nine because I like some of the matchups that we've got uh, on the docket. So overall, I think a seven. I like where the team's at right Right now, I would love to see some progression at that quarterback position to really solidify the Browns as a playoff team. Yeah, my confidence right now, guys, is a nine. And that feels nine. crazy to say. Nine. The only one that is subtracting this from being a perfect 10 is that quarterback position. Chris, this is the first time in my life. You're and showing we, your age. Wow. Okay. You're showing right. your age. We talked about it last okay. week. Okay, only where the quarterback Where position. the vibes on this team just feel so high, yeah. despite the turmoil that they've been through. I mean, how many times have we seen throughout Brown's history, especially here recently, where you'd have a massive injury, a massive distraction, like a Nick Chubb, goes down and, and the rest of the team just throws in the towel and then you have Deshaun Watson is he going to play is he not going to play we were doing day to day with Deshaun Watson for about four weeks at yeah. one point earlier here this season so the fact that they were able to make it through all of that crap and come out of it at seven and three that's why my confidence is a nine because every they're, they're like a horror movie Chris we've made this analogy on the show before yeah. every time you think they're dead they just come back for one more. And that and that's why it, I am just so confident in this team. Like, we're watching the Browns play the Steelers this past week. And that second half, that big touchdown run happens right off the rip. And, of yeah. course, there's a piece of you that's thinking, ah, Tomlin's going to get us again. Here we go again. Here we go again. But then at the same time, Stefanski did the right thing. Dink and dunk. They were conservative. They didn't turn the ball over. And then Dustin Hopkins comes in and saves the day. It's like – Wow, we just keep getting these breaks over and over again. So I, I'm very confident right now, as confident that I've probably ever been, 
even with a fifth-round rookie starting this week. I was going to say, no Watson, no Chubb, no Conklin. I think the common denominator, and we kind of alluded to it last week, is the fact that, I, I don't know, boys, I think there's a culture shift really happening. Yeah. I know that's so cliche to say, but really isn't this a team that you really think believes that they can win and then they're going out and doing it despite some of these variables um unpredictable things that have happened yeah but it was so interesting in the post-game press conferences especially hearing from guys like miles garrett like david yeah. Njoku, that were here in the absolute mud you know they they were here yeah. in the years of one and 15 oh and 16 and they remember those days you know there were pittsburgh you know would have that big touchdown run and then okay here's the onslaught and the browns get blown out so it was interesting to hear that them preach exactly what you're talking about the, the culture has shifted right. and now they they're believers you know they're just like us they're or, bought in the bought in the buy-in out of this team exactly. is so real even just seeing among a game that wasn't perfect but the fact that the Steelers hung around and then we were the ones who came out victorious you know feels like a different outcome than yours well, and the difference too you know being kind of the old head here on the show is you kind of wait for that dip it's like a roller coaster with the cleveland browns you get a high you feel good for a week you wait for that big dip and i've been warning you guys that that dip is coming it's nice to see some consistency now right yeah. we got the cardinals then we got the ravens then we get the steelers i was telling you going into the steelers game don't don't talk too loudly don't get too optimistic because the football ball gods are listening and what happens we have a good showing there against the Steelers we get it done there so that is good to see that is a change in culture before that would have been a letdown game for us even in division that didn't happen yesterday so that does give me optimism I'm not quite as optimistic as you are Nick to be honest maybe that's just me having gone through these wars for so so long but I do like the consistency we're starting to show on the field I, I do like your roller coaster analogy I feel like maybe we're riding a little bit of the Raptor Rather okay. than rather than the power tower, you know. Yeah, yeah. We're not so dramatic with it. It's up and down as it, dramatic as it was before. Little, yeah, it's not. Not as. the demon drop. That's again for there the old go. heads. The power old heads over here. Whatever it was back back when you uh, would. Do you still go to Cedar Point? Oh yeah, Cedar oh, Point's yeah. the good, best. Good. You ride yeah. the coasters up there. We like a good Cedar Point shout out. You know, good Ohio stuff. I, I I like that during the summer. During the winter, I prefer more consistency, especially yeah. out of my football team. Right, <laughs> yeah. and that's what they're yes. giving us right now, Gad. <laughs> yes. Give us a gently rolling situation, not not the demon drop. Okay, Blank should be the Browns' starting quarterback the rest of the season. I know I kind of already asked that, but we're we're riding with DTR. We're going with DTR. Yeah, you got to stick with the guy. He's, you know, he showed you something enough, I think, on Sunday to continue with him, get some continuity here. You know, you're starting on a season where you start bringing in um, guys like uh, uh, Joe Flacco now, and you start you start getting kind of concerned that we're going back to that old Browns. You know, you talk about the jersey of the quarterback since 99. We're starting our own jersey for this season right now. You want to stop that as soon as possible. And if you keep DTR out there, keep developing it, that gives you that consistency you need out of the quarterback position. Seeing Joe Flacco in a Browns jersey, when those photos from practice drop, that's going to be super weird. Yeah. I'll say this, too. It's interesting how quickly we moved off of P.J. Walker because P.J. Walker yeah. was winning games, and I think a big piece of that 
dare I say the biggest piece, is he was just a turnover machine. And I think that's what they're hoping to get out of DTR is just clean quarterback play. If DTR can be Brock Purdy, and I know that's a big ask because Brock Purdy went from yeah, Mr. Irrelevant to really good. But if DTR could be Brock Purdy and just play clean football, do exactly what we saw him do against the Steelers, and I get that it was boring. That second half was rough. They were having a hard time moving it downfield. But I think that was by design. You don't let your opposition create those turnovers and get that ball on a short field. The Browns are going to be just fine. I get that it's a big comparison, but if, if DTR could come even close to yeah. Brock Purdy, we are going to be really good guys. Yeah, and I think he has more of an upside than PJ. I mean, he has a big, bright future ahead of him. He's younger. It's time to develop him. He he does have a lot to offer, and it's just a matter of giving him the time and the coaching and opportunity to do so. He's got the wheels, too. He looked oh, like he Watson on, he he looked like Watson yeah, on some he, of those he runs. He really was. He was zooming all around. Okay, <laughs> sideline. Oh, this is funny. Side How about line, this? Sideline reporters making up quotes is... So to give a little context, yeah, I was yeah, going to say, we need a little context. I know you're very passionate about this particular well, topic. We both are. I think it was just kind of funny to me. That's all. So there, Carissa Thompson told Pardon My Take she sometimes makes up stuff when a coach isn't able to talk to her. And the internet went ballistic. You had a very timely meme that just went off like a bomb on on Twitter. Um, that she just talked to Joe Burrow and he was fine. That was yeah, right at halftime right. of the game where obviously now he's out for the season for the Bengals. Bad news for them. They're kind of sharing in our misery there at the quarterback position. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. What are your thoughts on the sideline well, reporter I mean, they, they, making things up? I didn't I, know uh, that all these side report the sideline reporters even had Twitter, guys. But every <laughs> sideline reporter under the yeah. sun just came out of the woodwork. And Charissa Thompson was just getting absolutely lambasted wow. like people yeah. the pitchforks were out for Teresa thompson and, and she said it innocently she was like listen if a coach is in a bad mood i'm not gonna pry him for answers you know and i'll just make something up that he'll want to hear you know like oh he told me that the guys have to play harder play faster really get up for one another you know so it wasn't like she was completely lying well, and okay. in a case like that who says no the coach isn't going to come out and say no i didn't say that <laughs> she's saying that's something that is perfectly reasonable for a coach to say it works for the guys in the booth so it really doesn't hurt anybody but from an integrity standpoint, there is that question there. But I think, Gab, you thought people were a little too sanctimonious on this, I, huh? I thought they really grilled her in a way that was um, – because, you know, nobody's saying, oh, you should always plagiarize or make things up or say stuff that didn't happen. Um, but I, I feel like given the context and having done some sideline reporting, I've never said anything that someone didn't say. But I can empathize with the fact that at the higher levels, coaches who are pissed off really don't want to talk to you, and it maybe just depends. Um, I've always been able to talk to a coach, even if they're angry. And it is terrifying because you're like, you kind of feel bad you're asking a question because yeah. they're like kind of get out of my face type thing. But I've always, you know, I've always, you, you know, you do the little hustle over. <laughs> you, you, you just got to get out of the way. And then, and then you got to ask the question, you know. And it's usually to a coach you weren't planning on talking to anyway because the other guy, mm -hmm. you know, you thought you were going to talk to. Um, but I don't know. I thought once the other sideline reporters, a couple of them started tweeting like, I have journalistic integrity and I would never do that. And, and I take my job seriously. I was like, OK, guys, sports is fun. The extent to which you could make up something in a scenario like that. She's not I don't think she's saying word for word quotes. If, if yeah, I'm understanding right. correctly, and she's that also this is what he said verbatim and blah, blah, blah. I think it, what she had said later on Instagram was that, no, I mean, if they couldn't convert on third down X number of times, I pointed that out in my 
But wouldn't that be fun if we had sideline reporters that would just straight up make things up and, and get in, it's funny, get and coaches it's going? Oh, it's man. I but. think a big piece in this, too, is, and, and uh, Gab, you're exactly right, the soapboxes were out from, <laughs> from all of the <laughs> big like, J right, journalists that, we work at the that are out there. Reporter, not, not to take away from sideline reporting, you're, but I will say you're the sprinkles on top. That's how I w- always, uh, they I told like me. That. You're the sprinkles on top. You're you're adding some of that extra color. We already have the analyst and the yep. and the color doing a lot of the heavy lifting. And sideline, you're the sprinkles on top. And and I think we know that. So I I just thought it was funny when everyone was like journalistic integrity. I was like, well, okay. How about this? She's not a he, even worse. She's not a sideline reporter anymore. She's no, just, she's just, booth. She's a host. Yeah, Like people were so. And again, this is the internet for you. People were so mad about nothing. She's yeah. not a sideline reporter. I people were calling for her job. This is not her job I, anymore. It's not her job anymore. And you know, she's she's a very good looking woman. And I think it was an easy target. And and you know, and it came off the internet's the internet. You couldn't not you couldn't not lay evil lay internet. Off on it. You know, McNeil, you couldn't not make the meme. It was internet. too readily available for you, you know. So kids. whatever. It probably just blew up. All righty, we are going to step aside. More fill in the blank because Ohio State, Michigan, other big rivalries coming up. Don't go anywhere. More of the Big Play Cleveland show straight ahead. All righty, welcome back to the Big Play Cleveland show, guys. We were finishing up our fill-in-the-blank here. My favorite rivalry for any of my sports teams is blank. Chris, I got to hear from you first. This is an easy one for me. Even though I grew up, my first team was the Cleveland Browns. I love the Cleveland Browns. You'd naturally say, oh, the Brown Steelers, like we yeah. saw this week. No, it's definitely OSU Michigan. And that one has grown over my lifetime. So my my grandfather, and I come about it very honestly, my grandfather, his, his doctor told him he could no longer listen to Ohio State games because it would get his blood pressure wow. up so high. That was my great-grandfather. So, uh, And that, that was specific for Ohio State. I moved around the state a little bit as a kid, and we spent a year up in Toledo. And I'll never forget, I was in grade school. And one of the things that they did is they had the bus divide. They put up a couple of notebook pages, one on one side that said Michigan, one on one side that said OSU. And it was amazing how split it was. And back in those days, I I was really, like I say, a Browns first. So I really didn't get college football. I thought it was like, you know, the triple A for the pros. So I sat down where I sat down normally, which happened to be the Michigan side. I never heard the end of that until I left that school. <laughs> I had to leave that school entirely to get away from it. And then, of course, I ended up going to Ohio State. Yeah. I'm down there in Columbus. I respect the traditions. I love the traditions. I love everything we do around it from Skull Session to, you know, the, the all of the different buildup uh, activities they have on the week. And it's just something that the entire state, the entire country, everybody recognizes just how big this game is. And it stops everything right there after Thanksgiving. It's so huge. And and it's huge for our families, too. It's grown, especially in the last three years, you know, that Michigan has unfortunately gotten the best of Ohio State. It's grown 
just by multiples, you know, like the, the rivalry this year. And I wish there was a way if I could get a genie in a bottle this week, my one wish would be for Jim Harbaugh not to coach the game. I don't really care that much about that, but to be there for the handshake. I want to see yeah. him shake Ryan Day's <laughs> hand because just this edition of the game, Ohio State, Michigan, feels like it's so much more because of all this nonsense with the cheating scandal, who tattled on who, what's to come of all of it down the road. This right here is peak theater, and this game Saturday is like absolutely must watch. And the Buckeyes are underdogs. At three and a half point underdogs. And we'll talk about in our betting segment. Right now man, on Typico. I'm underdog. jumping on that. Jumping on that, by the way. You already yeah, did, didn't, didn't you? you? Absolutely. Yeah, you already did. McNeil. Absolutely. And thank you to the Buckeyes for this past weekend beating up on Minnesota and continuing to beat up on Minnesota. We saw them kind of quit, not really quit, but put in the backups the week before. And that hurt me a little bit in my betting because they didn't hit the over. They hit the over easily, easily this weekend, Nick, and that feels so good. Good. All right, how about this, guys? We will transition into our big play bets, always presented to you by Typico Sportsbook. Download Typico Sportsbook now, and when you do, enter promo code BIGPLAY100. That's all caps, all one word. Big play 100. And when you bet $25, you're going to get $100 back. A Benjamin back on the big play squad to bet on all of these big games coming up this week. I mean, you're talking about Thanksgiving football. You got Black Friday football this year. You got Ohio State, yeah. Michigan. Download Typico. Check out our big play boosts. We are going to be very active in that Typico app, giving you guys the best odds on your favorite Ohio teams, player props, you name it. Download Typico today. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. you got to be 21 years or older to gamble in Ohio. Let's take a look at some bets this week, guys. We'll actually start with the Browns. Um, Browns and Broncos, another rivalry as we're talking about that. And we're going to build our big play boost. The Browns open in this game, like Ohio State, underdogs. Plus two and a wow. half for the Browns. Were you, were you surprised to see that, Chris? Uh, not with the way the Broncos are playing right now. It's so um, aggravating. It's, I yeah. thought they were Four-game win streak. Russell yep. Wilson's doing a lot better. And I got I got a confession to make you guys. Did you know this about me? I do. I like Russell Wilson as a. Oh, I, I've always liked yeah. Russell Wilson. Yeah, I've always been a Russell Wilson. Yeah. Fan. I think he's a good guy. Gag he, me. He, he's got Sierra, who I grew up loving. <laughs> the, the, she she's she just like I loved her growing up because she first of all she looks like a four hundred runner, and I was you know into track, and I'm like oh this not only is she beautiful and talented she's so athletic looking Your spirit animal yeah she's yeah, my yeah. spirit animal i just love her and i love their relationship and their family and she just came out oh, with a new gosh. song that's just how we roll and then she married just the corniest dude on the yeah, planet yeah. Whoa, I was wait, say, the both of them to become the wait, corniest couple second. on the planet stop that he's a good guy and who doesn't love a corny joke I mean, I like. I'm all for a corny joke, well, but his well, just he, existence is corny. The high knees no. on the airplane. I think it, that's really he, what did. Well, it you know what? Yeah. Did, then did you guys think Tim Tebow was corny then? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, whatever. I think that it, he's genuine, and I'm okay with the corniness and and the. Whatever. As Urban Meyer once said, that's enough of the Tim Tebow stuff. Yeah, will you allow me put in our big play boost this week in under for for especially with how great this Browns defense is looking yeah. and just my general 
disliking towards Russell Wilson. Could we do under Russell Wilson passing yards as one of the fade. legs in this thing? Yeah. Fade Russell Wilson. Fade you're, fading Wilson. My, you're fading my Russell? Yeah. All right. I think, where was it? He has a 69% completion rate. And, uh, He's playing better recently. There it is. Yeah, 2,065 yards, 19 touchdowns, four interceptions on the season, plus 232 rushing yards for, uh, for Russell Wilson. If you want to go, what so what we're you fading think? Russell Wilson as the first leg. You're fading yeah. Russell Wilson. Second leg, I was thinking, you know who had a tough tough game on Sunday it was David Njoku. Njoku? It was yeah. David Njoku. He had some drops. He's our boy. We like to see him in the end zone. We're always betting him in the end zone. Mr. Stonehands. Can Stone we go an over under on number of catches? Yeah. Can we do receptions? Oh, yeah, receptions. Because yeah. I, I would really like to see him. You know, I don't know what the number might be, but I, I think we're going to utilize him quite a bit. We're going to go to him. We're going to try and build his confidence up a little bit. He was hanging his head after that game. Yeah. Had a big catch down the stretch. Had some big drops during the game. Let's so go nine I look receptions. For a he was targeted 15 times, only caught seven. So what is is nine too high? For That's him? way yeah, too it's high. Really high. That's really high. I think we got to go like three and a half. Although like we did throw the ball over 40 times. But if he DTR okay, said right. that he's the best tight end in America, wow, which is crazy. A crazy but, quote. But imagine, but guys, if he if he was targeted that many times, and and you know that he can catch some of those passes, I just feel like I just don't know that the odds could go up that high. I'll be honest with <laughs> oh, you. I think right. nine, yeah. like an a nine alt nine line might be too high so we'll let typical make i don't the usually judgment bet call on there. receptions to begin it, with. it is in the weeds check it out on the on the big play app but yeah he called Najoku the best tight end yeah. in america and Najoku facetimed kevin stefanski from his house after the game on the jugs machine catching passes with it turned up dtr throws the football Tied for the hardest, only with Josh yeah. Allen in the combine since they started measuring that stat like a decade ago. So Josh, uh, DTR's throwing that football hard at David Njoku, and I think he turned up that jugs machine after the game. So let's for, go For you that. young guys, you know what that reminds me of? When Bernie Kosar was out, there was a young guy who came in by the name of Mike Pagel. Mike Pagel threw the ball a lot harder than Bernie did, and a lot of the receivers had a tough time with it. So it's very interesting it's, you say that. Oh, that's All right, so cool. we have under for Russell Wilson passing adjustment. yards. We have over for David Njoku receptions. Is. And then when, are we going Browns plus two and a half, Browns money line? I know there's a how lot about, of value in how that. How about Miles for another sack? All right, Can we just throw that on there? Let's, Let's keep it going. Let's he had two right. sacks again this week. Let's like go it. for another one. I like it. We will keep that momentum going, and we are going to step aside. We will fill you guys in on the rest of our big play bets right after this. Welcome back to the Big Play Cleveland Show. We're putting a bow on our betting segment, building you guys some bets this week. We just talked about our Big Play boost. We have Miles Garrett getting a sack. We have the under on Russell Wilson's passing yards. And then we have the over on David Njoku receptions. He's going to redeem himself from that game. Guys, let's look at Sunday night football. The Steelers and the Bengals are in a pick em at Paycor Stadium in Cincinnati. Sunday night football, AFC North matchup, but without Joe Burrow. It's Jake Browning getting the start for Cincinnati. Chris, who do you have, Bengals or Steelers? Give me the Bengals at home. I think Pittsburgh loses 
two straight Ohio teams without their starting quarterbacks, wow. and that's going to happen this weekend. Yeah, I think the Bengals rally and they win this ballgame. All right, I'm with you. Let's go. Jake Browning will back behind Cincinnati and try to now bury Pittsburgh in that little yeah. AFC wild card race, really leave this thing between the Browns and the Ravens. Gab, you good with that? I like it. All right, let's move right along. Lakers and Cavs, Saturday night. Who will have the most combined points, rebounds, and assists in this game? You got LeBron, you got Donovan Mitchell. I'm going to go ahead and give it to Mitchell. I think wow. yeah, he'll have something to play for in this one. You know, with LeBron back here in Cleveland, kind of show that he's the new king, the new age. I'll, I'll have Donovan, most points, rebounds, and assists. Now, are we sure that he's going to be playing? Oh, you're never sure, especially <laughs> this in the is the NBA. NBA. Are we but... sure LeBron's going to be playing, right? <laughs> right? That's a fair point. I, I think LeBron, he always likes to show off when he's back yeah. here in Cleveland. The rebounds, I think there's a mismatch there between him and Donovan Mitchell as well. So I'll take LeBron overall, but I still like the Cavs to win this ballgame. All right, over under Gab for you. I'm, plates I'm... of turkey oh. eaten oh, of... this Thanksgiving. Let me hear it. Uh, I'll, I'll give you one and a half plates. For me, you going too? I don't know. Well, first of all, let me just say I'm also on King James. I, I feel like when okay. he comes back to wow. the land, there we real, go. Real two against quick. one. Love love my uh, LeBron when he comes back. But anyway, okay, plates of turkey. I'm gonna go under because I'm a ham girl on Thanksgiving. Okay, nice. I, you know. Okay, ham or turkey. I go turkey. I go turkey too. But, but they're both giving overrated by both the way. Both very smart foods, right? You got the turkey, very intelligent. You've got the pig, also very intelligent. So it's it's a very smart holiday. <laughs> Either <laughs> very way, intelligent we're be... holiday. Either way, we will be <laughs> indulging in it. We'll be betting it. Download Tipico and we will see you guys next week. Peace out.